0: I think people are gonna make mistakes and we have to have contingencies for that um, because we're asking somebody, we're asking a lot of somebody. Like I, I, think, I think back to when I first started learning this, it took me so long to figure out how to price a project. Like I, I honestly, I had to give myself a lot of leeway.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Out of the Hourglass, a podcast channel presented by Nolan Consulting Group. My name's Colin Nolan and I'm back on the podcast today as your host. That was John Bryant talking about when he first learned how to estimate and some of the difficulties that he encountered. John is the chief of color at the Urban Painter in Calgary and the founder of Paint Scout, a painting estimation software that's really taken off with great success. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the Hourglass. All right. Welcome, John Bryant, to the Out of the Hourglass podcast. How you doing?
0: I'm doing well, Colin. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to have you on. Um, this is actually my, my uh, first time that you're on the podcast and my first time running a solo podcast. So we're, we're, we're doing it together here. Um, well, hope, hopefully they've left uh, leaving us alone. We're going to get some good results, but <laughs> only time will tell. Hopefully, um, so I'm really yeah. pumped to be to be talking with you because we do a lot of training new sales reps here. Um, I I personally do training on the sales process. Um, however, when we're when we're filling out you know a green book for a new sales rep, we're going through the training. We focus a lot on the sales process, but that's really only half the battle. The other half of the battle is the actual estimating piece, the uh, the work of the work, right? Uh, which I know very little to nothing about. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of picking the picking in your brain here and figuring out what makes a great estimator. Um, great. I guess you, you, you could say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a very interesting uh, thing to discuss because there's so there's gonna be a lot of people that have listened or done a lot of sales training over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, Some it's fortunate to have a lot of great companies and a lot of like a rich history who have got estimators and broadened people up to speed. But that process is, is oftentimes very difficult. So yeah, I'm happy to contribute what I know and uh, see if I, we can help a few people.
1: Yeah, so let's start there. So why am I talking to you? So you're you're obviously a Summit member, or I guess not so obviously for people who don't, who, who uh, aren't familiar with Summit. So mm-hmm. John, how long, how long have you been in Summit for?
0: Well, I think uh, one of the passwords to my Ignite was Vision Twenty Twelve, so I want to say uh, <laughs> nine nine years. Nice nine years. I've been nine years. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, it's been a, it's been a wonderful years. I owe a lot to Summit. I think when we started, we were two hundred fifty thousand, and this year we should be three point five million. So wow, it's been uh, it's been great. Yeah. So so thanks guys.
1: Yeah. Well, that next thanks next for that. So you've been in Summit for a while, and. Uh, a recent venture of yours—you've kind of gone into the estimating world. So you started a uh, estimating software company called PaintScout. Um, so mm-hmm. to tell us a little bit about that and your your history there.
0: Yes, yeah, so we we started PaintScout. Uh, it's going to be about three years ago, um, and it was it was a vision that I had had probably five or six years ago when um, when I was using the Nolan uh, Summit estimating program. Um, on the iPad. Uh, that's how I learned to estimate. It was revolutionary for me at the time. uh, when I first got involved with the summit that I can price projects consistently and have a method to actually doing that. And so I was using the program. Um, and I I lost, I lost an iPad, I had 4,000 estimates on it and that really hurt. And, uh, I decided given that I had a background in software development, I'd worked at a startup for, for about a year, uh, In my kind of transition period of trying to figure out if I loved doing painting or not, because that's where I started, tried to get out, brought me back. When I did that, when I lost that iPad, I said, "You know, there's got to be a change." I think the industry could be a lot better. Need some more professional tools, and um, that's that's how we started on this this venture.
1: Quite quite the story. Uh, It sometimes takes losing four thousand estimates to spark a change of of sorts that big, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So. Let's, let's kind of get in, get into the meat of it here. So how, you know, we're talking about training new better estimators. So how is this different from training the sales process in your opinion?
0: Well, I think the sales process is, is pretty universal. It's, uh, you know, learning someone's needs and, and helping them buy a product based on those needs. And that's not going to change no matter what you're selling. But we, we've got a very unique, Um, product that we deliver as painting contractors as as landscapers as as you know other people that are in the trades we're we're designing the product while we're also doing the sale and it requires us to be confident in how we price a project because in a lot of ways what we're doing as much as we're trying to make it scientific it's also a little bit of art Mm -hmm. and um, when you bring someone new into into that that process, they might be a, a fantastic salesperson, but if they start selling projects that that aren't profitable, that are potentially you know mis misrepresented, it causes a lot of hurt, a lot of hurt for your company, and um, for your reputation and just the way you overall operate. And so, this what we're talking about today is that process of them understanding how to how to properly uh, design the product. And price the product so it's going to work for your company.
1: Interesting. Yeah. so what what does that training look like when you' when you hire a uh, sales rep for your company uh, and they, they're coming in with, with not much sales or estimating experience uh, to begin with. How quickly can and should we expect someone to catch on? What does the timetable look like? Are there any best practices? How have you kind of done it in the past in your company?
0: So we've, I mean, to, to give you just some, some numbers, I mean, we've hired about 15 estimators over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them haven't worked out. We're currently at a team of, of three, two full-time, two really strong full-time estimators and two part-time estimators. Um, so we, we've, I've had the experience of bringing people that have, you know, 35 years of painting experience and and can't can't sell a thing um and we've had experience of bringing people in who you know our two most recent success stories was um you know somebody who came to us in our client advocate position they were a server previously to that and uh and they, they learned how to estimate and sell and they did a great job they really did uh the numbers proved it so i think i think that's really where where we see the biggest uh, ability to measure and figure out whether someone's really able to do it is in the numbers, and uh, what, what their what their sales rate is in terms of you know what they're selling at per hour, if that matches up with the production, and also just you know what their close rate is. Uh, if those two numbers align properly, and they need to align quickly, in my opinion, um, you know you've got a winner. If they don't, you got you got to get that person out as fast as you can. That's that's just my opinion. We've seen it many times. Um, if you can't find some success or at least a vision of someone having success in 30 days, um, that person's going to get expensive. going to take up a lot of time and you're going to, you're going to struggle to create them to be a, a top sales performer.
1: So how do you gonna help
0: you answer that Colin? a little bit?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if we could get a little more granular, I guess on that, 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 that was a great kind of overall yeah. uh, thought on it. So what does the first couple of weeks look like? Or Do you see, do you do a lot of kind of classroom time in, in office, teaching people on an iPad or is it, are you kind of throwing them into the fire right, right away and having them come along with you?
0: Yeah, we, so we have a process. It, it kind of runs like this. We, we, uh, we onboard them. So we have an onboarding document that covers our first six weeks. What that does is give them the training, both the, the soft selling training, if they don't have it, the kind of training the sandwich system, And then we, um, what we do is we complement that with training them on what projects look like. So we have what we call project guides. Um, They will, we have about 15 of them for different, different types of services we do. They get to review those. And so they review that along with our, we have a glossary of terms that we've developed just for sales. And so they learn the terms of the industry. They learn what kind of projects we do. Then we have a, a specific document that lists out all the products we use and how those relate benefits to the customer and how we actually apply them and where they get the value so that's kind of the trifecta we feel of like the base level of of painting it's your product knowledge your um your actual knowledge of the service and then just understanding what we're talking about so those, those terms so once they've done that we test them so that's a really part of important part of the process is we Take them through this initial training. We test them on their knowledge. Is this person able to retain information? Can they actually tell us how to do an exterior painting project before seeing the customer? Sorry, it sounds like you had a question.
1: Uh, well, I actually love that uh, that test feature. Um, so, so tell me more about that. So, you you have them take you have them take you through how to estimate a project before even going out there.
0: Yeah, so we want them to understand the process so they can talk like we what we feel is that if if our estimators know 20% of painting really really well, they're going to know more than 80% of our potential clients. Right. And so we test them, we make sure that they know it, you know, front to back, like how does this work? How does it actually function? Because if they can be confident, the client is going to feel confident with them. Yeah. But we don't we let them out into the field once they show that they've got that that Data kind of figured out that they can reiterate it in a way that is um, is solid, you know, really confident. Then what we do is we we take them through a um, what we call a shadow process, where they shadow our estimators that are out in the field by doing estimates with them, but not on the site. So they they do estimates off Google Maps. Um, so they'll sit in the office, do the same estimate that our estimator is doing hmm. off a of Google Map. And then from there, what they do is our guys take pictures and, you know, this is, this is done through paint scout. Not, not that I feel like that's the only way you can do it, but our guys take pictures, they come in through paint scout and our estimator in the field and our estimator in training can compare notes once they've done that estimate. And so we get a sense of whether they get the price correct and it gives them confidence to know what they're dealing with.
1: Gotcha. That's really interesting. So why don't, why don't we have them go out with the estimator themselves, what's, what's the benefit to the Google maps?
0: We, so the one thing that we've found is that when you have somebody with you, who doesn't kind of give that confidence that's in training right off the bat, they kind of feel like they're, they're not even understanding what the project is. You're kind of quoting on it actually gets in the way of our, our close rate. And so we want them to be an active participant in the process before they actually arrive at the process.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So that's just what we found. Yeah, so Hmm. when we've had success with our, our most, like our two most recent estimators who've had zero painting experience, they feel confident going out with an estimator to shadow them live because they actually understand the project, they understand the paint, they understand the pain points, and they can actively price it because they understand our product. Sure. So it gets us gets quicker quicker to the actual sales process for them.
1: So, so something that I come across a lot with my, uh, the new sales reps that I'm training that I really can't help them with is um, trying to meld the sales process in with the estimating process. So mm-hmm. trying to keep the bond and rapport going, the interviewing, finding pain while trying to, at the same time, you're using a new estimating system when you're estimating sometimes the first time ever, you try to capture notes Mm -hmm. and you can't kind of walk and chew gum at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. So, Do do you have any kind of best practice or or something you recommend around telling the customer, Hey, I I need to, to price this out on my own. What do you recommend?
0: Yeah. So, so where we've seen success is that once this person's kind of done that virtual shadow, they've compared notes with the estimator, they will then go out and we've shadowed with with an actual estimator and they kind of go through that process. The estimator helps them. We typically try to look for jobs that we might not get because that process is a little bit, it's not the smoothest. And so we don't want to ruin good jobs that way. But once we actually do that and the estimator is confident to go out on their own, we, we virtual um, shadow them. And so one of the powers of paint scout is that we see estimates being built in live time and so this this estimator has confidence now with their, their project they understand roughly how to price it how the software works once they get on site they take pictures of each side of the home and we can walk through the estimating process with them to give them a confident idea of what the, the you know how to ban the the project pricing so when they actually talk to the customer they can say confidently this project's between you know at least a dollar and a hundred thousand dollars somewhere in that range um or whatever probably something a little bit smaller for banding but um and we do that through an estimator or or myself actually at the office watching them build it in real time so getting getting a moment without the customer and then now we're on site essentially with them building it out
1: gotcha so in your i mean you've you've obviously as you mentioned you've seen you've dealt with your share of estimators in the past what 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 differentiates the average estimator from a great estimator are there any kind of um i guess themes in the ones that are really spot on so i think uh it's the ability to sell
0: um actually it's really more than that it's the ability to sell it the price you deserve and to do it quickly um so we like i mentioned before i mean we've had just a wide variety of people come through, um, and some people have sales experience but can't actually get the parameters around the job. Um, they struggle to fully comprehend how we price things, and they often talk their way down for price. And so, for us, that's been kind of a something we want to eliminate as fast as we can. Um, where we've had success is actually people. And we, this program has, we haven't been doing this the whole time. We've learned a lot. So we've only been implementing this type of program for the last year. And those estimators have come through. What they do is they, they're able to sell something like the the second week. Um, And then when we watch the numbers, so we, in addition to once you've shadowed them and kind of monitoring their performance, we have found that a good estimator is closing at 40% within 60 days. Hmm. And if you're not able to close at 30% by 30 days or kind of 45 days, cause you have some training time, it's a bit of a red flag. Cause I think, I think, you know, Colin, like the, we've talked to it in summit so many times is that, you know, 30% buy no matter what, right. 30% are never going to buy. And you're battling that for like 40% in the middle. And mm-hmm. if you can't sell it 40%, you're not, gonna be able to get there. That's what we've seen. It's just I've wished in, in many discussions with some of the coaches I've I've had over the years, I wish I would have gotten to the conclusion this person can't sell much faster. And so that's that's been indicators for me.
1: Yeah, that's great. It's really helpful, especially when you have the kind of benchmarks like that. Um so what what are the personality traits or behaviors that you believe are critical to success and, and does that impact how you hire for this role, right? Because we we have a lot of people hire for sales rep uh, roles and we focus a lot on mm-hmm. the, the high D, high I. For those who aren't familiar with DISC, the high D is a driving personality, um, very competitive, goal-oriented, no filter, not afraid to ask the tough questions, the I being... Uh, you know, the influencer, persuader, people, person, great bond and rapport. Both of those things don't lend itself very well to details and accuracy mm-hmm. with um, which would typically be the high C. That's what you're looking for there. So I guess I've, I've kind of changed my question almost as going through it here. So what what do you really look for when you're hiring for this role? And second, how do you teach these high D, high I personalities sometimes to be more detailed when it comes to the estimating portion and is, how do you get them to care about the, about the small stuff?
0: So just so I'm clear. So yeah, how do, you, how do we, uh, what personality traits we look for? So I think in addition to the high D, I, high I, which is you know historically pretty true, um, our estimators that have had success do have that. Some of them don't though right um you know wh- one of my one of my best examples to date is my my brother who I worked with and he was working operations and we we struggled because he's not a high D at all he's a like low off the charts D and uh when we tried to decide what he was going to do next i mean he he came into a role of sales and i thought for sure he wasn't going to make it and uh he's he's a top he's a superstar and so I don't want to rule people out because they're not high D, high I, um, but you got to be competitive. And sometimes that's not always a D. Mm-hmm. That's just a, a, a drive to, to win, not to dominate other people, but you got to be, got to want it. Um, I think also an ability to be inquisitive. So in the interview process, are they asking questions? Are they trying to understand your company? Do they care at all? Uh, when we've had people that have had success, I mean, they're they're curious, they're curious people Um, and they're willing to learn a new process. And I think the world is transitioning more to um, to software things that are a little more, you know, there's technology, you gotta be able to learn it. And so if you can't do that, it's going to, you're going to struggle. And I think we've, we've had two or three cases here where the individual, yeah, high D high I background in painting couldn't learn software like Mm. it wasn't even it wasn't even the point like like i think Paint scouts super easy they were fine but they were struggling with like you know how do i get a job into scheduling how do i you know put together my my excel report (laughs) it was it was hard so you got to be able to understand if the person can handle these processes too i think and test that a little bit off the start
1: I do love Yeah, absolutely. I do love your comment there around it doesn't necessarily need to be uh, the D behavioral profile, but the internal fire of competitiveness, whether that's with yourself or with other people, whatever it is, but a desire to, to be the best, right? Um, and exactly. use that as discretionary effort. Um, mm-hmm. Have you come across people who were not super detailed? Uh, I know a lot of people have estimators that are not very detailed, and like are there any uh, best practices around making them care about small stuff, or is it kind of a uh, you know you hope for the best kind of situation there?
0: I think the the best thing you can do when you don't have somebody that's really detail oriented is is to try to push them into a system where they can't not be. Mm. Um, and I think I think a lot of the ways that I mean, we've had the the privilege of now seeing uh, so many companies and how they estimate, and privilege. And sometimes it's it's eye opening, because I think we talk about the fact that someone's not detail oriented, but yet we give them a structure in which allows them to be not detail oriented. And so, when you allow somebody to go and estimate, um, and I'm not saying this is summit members, but when you give the, someone the ability to estimate by hours and not production rates, you're just asking for someone not detail-oriented to, to mess up. Whereas I think when you estimate and you you give them a structure they must follow. Um, for example, like, like you're working on the outside of a home, you have to break it up in you know front, back, left, right. You have to attribute your preparation to each individual substrate, and you have to account for everything, your accounting versus free will deciding. Um, and then you have a structure of how you present your proposals, like or your present presentations to people. Like you shouldn't, I don't think give that flexibility to someone. They need to follow your company structure and you need to have that predefined.
1: I, I really uh, love that is, um, putting people in a position to win as opposing to mm-hmm. the, hoping that, that they do. Um, that's really great. So in, in, you, as you mentioned, you, you've seen how a lot of uh, companies do their estimating. Um, what, what mistakes do you see uh, made most often? Um, what, what kind of rises to the top there?
0: So I think, I mean, the one thing is that, like I mentioned before, I mean, and giving people too much time to understand the subject matter. Um, and not, not kind of doing that testing and ensuring that they, they truly know what they're doing. So when you just release somebody on site, um, a lot of times they can do damage to your reputation. They can do damage, again, to your, your bottom line, to your company. And so you, you need to make sure that these people are going to represent you well and that they, um, they're they given enough enough support as well. And so I see a lot of companies that we'll hire salespeople and we have this hope that the salesperson is going to turn us around. Like if I just get this salesperson and get them out in the field, my company is going to increase sales. And so I think a lot of contractors we see don't have an effective training process in place. They don't think about that. Maybe they do, but the onboarding isn't as strong as it could be. And as business owners, as, as you know, our sales teams are busy. We're just really busy. And so we don't have that ability to perfectly support the person. And if we don't ha- have the documentation in place, sometimes you're you're giving the person a recipe to, to fail, I think. Um, and so I'd like to see a lot more of the a lot more contractors that that we've seen and, and a number that aren't in the summit group. So I, I don't want to speak wildly about the summit group, because so I think it's awesome. But um, a lot of contractors just they're super scared about getting an estimator. They don't completely think the process through because they don't understand it. They bring the person in and the person has failure, not from their own wrongdoings, but because the company didn't give them a platform to succeed. So that's kind of my, that's a big thing. And so, yeah, looking to set people up for success and, and giving them mm-hmm. a platform, I think is important.
1: So the, the, the testing that you're talking about, what intervals are you typically doing that at? What would you recommend there? So after a week or two weeks?
0: Yeah, um, so we'll have some examples on our website. People can check out if they want to see kind of what testing looks like, what we've done. At PaintScout, paintscout.com train, I think it'll be. But the intervals that we, we see is that you, you need to get somebody to understand your, your product in three weeks, I think max. They're not gonna understand everything. Like again, we're talking 20% of, of the material, but they, they'll know that really well. And so we like to test people. We give them the materials, we'll give them those project guides, we'll give them the um, the glossary of terms, the different paints. Once they've gone through that um, that training, they can do the testing right away if they want. But we'll also I think it's a good practice to retest a couple couple weeks after as well, yeah. just to see if they have it.
1: How do you handle mistakes? I mean, and they're almost inevitable, right? That yeah. uh, an estimator is going to going to miss stuff or um, add too much time on certain in certain areas. Um, is there is there a best way and a worst way to handle that in your in your opinion? From what you've seen.
0: The wor- the worst way is to like probably yell at them, uh, <laughs> make them cry. <laughs> I, I've had a few people, I had a, we had a woman that can't just come back from Matt leave who worked for us and I would try to deliver feedback and, um, she, she would inevitably cry every time we talked. And, uh, so <laughs> that's the way not to do it yeah, um, for sure. But I think people are going to make mistakes and we have to have contingencies for that. Um, because we're asking somebody, we're asking a lot of somebody. Like, I, I think, I think back to when I first started learning this, it took me so long to figure out how to price a project. Like, I, I honestly, I had to give myself a lot of leeway, but if the person can learn from it quickly and the next time they do it, there's a problem. And if you don't review their work, ensure that the pricing is accurate, at least within, within some metric of being fairly, you know, on point with your company. I think you have to first look at yourself and say, you know, what did I do in my process that I catch this? But then, second, you know, are is this person learning?
1: Um, Certainly, that's that's just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, you know, what I think of is, uh, you know, what kinds of mistakes are they making? Are are you talking about the same mistake over and over again, or is it mistakes that they're learning from, and each is kind of unique, right? It's kind of more more so part of the process. There's a big difference between the the, the two yeah absolutely so as, as someone who admittedly in the beginning of this right I, I don't know too much about the estimating process i did shadow jim when the sales guys for uh okay. two two or three estimates so I, I did see some of that granted i was more so focusing on the, the sales process but what what am i what have i not asked yet yeah you know what what is something that i, I should have asked as far as uh, you know the uh, intricacies of the estimating process and everything about it.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, a lot of times over the phone, people ask me how much their house costs to paint, and I just don't know. So but you did, you left that out, Colin. <laughs> you said that. Um, how much does it cost to paint my house? There you go. I don't know how much does a bag of groceries cost. Um, I think. You know. The, the one question that is always out there is you know where where is the painting industry going and you know are we are we making this industry the, the best it can be I think it's been an industry that is uh, has suffered from a lot of uh, bad stigma over the years and need we're, we're at a period of time where we need software we need other positive things to help influence our industry, to help bring up the pricing, to help make it more respectable and to just make it more of a, a long-term career for the people that are going to work with us. And I think that only occurs in two ways. One is hiring more salespeople, selling at the price you're selling at, or trying to increase your prices. And we've been pretty fortunate right now. I think as you've probably experienced with lots of your, your, your clients, I mean, the painting industry is booming, but is it going to continue to boom forever? I mean, in March, a lot of us thought it was over. So where is this going? What are we going to do? And what position do you do people want to be in when they do need to sell more and they do need to sell at a higher price? And so it's something to consider. And I don't know where it's going to be as I'm sure nobody does, but I want to start preparing for that and uh, knowing where I'm going to be at. That's...
1: But- that- that's, that's a great place to end it, I think. Some some uh, insightful words there, Mr. Bryant. Um, I do my best, Colin. <laughs> well, I, kinda, uh, I passed out for this last half an hour, but hopefully there's something to take away. So where, where can people, yeah, you mentioned it once, but where can people learn more about Paint Scout?
0: Well, they can go to paintscout.com, get a demo. That's probably the best way to learn about it to see if it's a good fit for, for their business. And uh, we're going to have a bunch of training materials kind of along the lines that we talked about today, just to show an example of what we've done. And that will be at paintscout.com training. Uh, you'll be able to find an example onboarding, um, some project guides, some testing, uh, just a sample of kind of how we've rolled it out. So yeah, that's how they can find us.
1: Perfect. Well, thanks so much, John, for taking the time here. I certainly learned a bunch and uh, hopefully we'll be hearing from you on this, uh, this channel here again sometime soon. Thank you, Colin. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business consulting firm with coaches located around the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for a future episode? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.